Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to our special Easter message. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Come on, can we give Jesus a mighty shout of praise? Okay, listen, when I come up here um, on a regular service, I say, let's give Jesus a mighty shout of praise. You guys kind of give a mighty shout of praise, but it's Resurrection Sunday, and the Bible says that if Christ had not raised from the dead, then we are still dead in our sins. And the Bible actually says if Christ had not raised from the dead, then all that we do is useless. But we come here on Resurrection Sunday because, come on somebody, Jesus is alive. And so when I say let's give him a mighty shout of praise, can we open our breath and everything that has breath, give him praise. There we go. Jesus, we just give you praise in this place. We give you honor, God. We just are so thankful that we can come and worship your name today, Jesus. And God, I just pray that in this moment, in this space, for those of us that have never experienced that transition from death to life, from emptiness, from brokenness to fullness, God, I pray that today is the day. And so, Jesus, I pray that your spirit is with us. Fill this place, God. I pray that our praise is a sweet offering to your ears, Jesus. We love you. We pray in your name. Amen, 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 amen. If you guys... Don't mind staying standing for just a second. Uh, it's, as I said, it's Easter Sunday, and for, for those of us that bear the name of Jesus, this is kind of the climax of our faith. And the story of Easter is one of death, but more is one of resurrection, where those things that were once dead come back to life. And again, I'm just believing that there's going to be a transformation in this place today. And so I want to read our opening passage of Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not. Someone shout once. Once you were not a people, but now, come on somebody, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy. But now, you have received mercy. I'm here today for the people that are still stuck in the once. But my belief is by the end of it, you're going to be in the but now. Come on, somebody. Someone shout but now. I want to call our message this morning before and after. Before and after. You guys can take a seat. Come on, can we clap our hands for the worship team? And can we just give a big praise for our Easter choir? Come on, somebody. Shout out to the Easter choir. Hey, if you guys are new uh, or visiting, my name is Harrison, and uh, I'm the pastor here. Just so pumped, so excited you guys could be with us on this Easter Sunday. Um, I want to begin by going back a couple of months. Um, At the beginning of uh, the fall, uh, I got sick. I got this little disease that's been going around. Um, you guys might have heard of it. Starts with the Corot or something like that. Um, and uh, one of the things I realized a lot of times is like you don't know what you have until it's gone. And uh, when I got sick, um, I didn't really get like 
sick, like I wasn't, my nose wasn't running, my, I wasn't coughing. Um, really, the only thing that happened, it was really weird, uh, I lost my smell. And like, I'm not talking about like just like a little bit or like, you guys have been congested before and like you can't smell that well. Like this time, like my nose was completely clear. Like I could breathe clear as day, but I couldn't smell. It was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. And so like as my smell was getting progressively worse, um, I was like testing it. Because I wanted to see, like, how bad is it really? Like, I'm sure I can still smell a little bit, like 1%, 2%. So um, I went into my fridge, and I looked for, like, the stankiest thing I could find. And I had, like, you guys ever seen the big Costco garlic containers before? Diced garlic. And so that's, like, the stinkiest thing in my fridge. And so I opened it up, and I'm not lying. I put my nose straight into it just to see if I could smell. And I could not smell a thing. It was the wildest experience of my life. Now, as I was saying, like, you don't realize, like, how much you value something until you don't have it. And you also don't realize, like, how much, like, maybe you guys haven't thought about this or maybe you've already lost your smell. Um, but you don't realize how much smell actually affects your life. Like, you guys may not know this, but smell affects more than just, like, this ability to smell. So one thing for me, like, I like to, I used to at least, um, I like to make coffee in the evening and then I put on a timer so that when you wake up, you kind of like smell the sweet aroma. You guys ever experienced that before? Like when you wake up? And what's interesting is like you don't realize like that actually affects your mood, right? Like when you have that smell of coffee, you're kind of excited. Like, yes, like this smells good. It's going to be a good day. And uh, when I didn't have my smell, I kind of lost that experience. Now, I'm happy to report today, nine months later, my smell is at 80%. So um, God is good all the time. But uh, it's interesting, that kind of what I want to talk about uh, as we get started is this idea, actually, um, of our senses and how our senses work together. Uh, you guys may not know this, but, like, what I was saying actually is scientific. Your smell is actually connected to your memory, uh, and your memory, obviously, is connected to your emotions. And for those, like, science nerds, uh, if you want to know, like, odors actually take a direct route through the limbic system, and they get straight to the part of the brain that rele rele relegates, relegates. Something, um, or, I'm a preacher, not a science teacher, just calm down, stay with me people, point being, our smell affects our emotions, you guys experience that, like have you guys ever had that moment where you smell something, maybe it's like a cologne or a perfume, and it actually takes you back to a person, it's like just, you get that whiff, and all of a sudden you're back in like 2011, and it's like, yep, Axe body spray, like, I know exactly, I know exactly what that is. Or maybe, like, it's like that mothball smell, right? And you're, like, all of a sudden you're back at your grandparents' house. Like, there's just this way that, like, smell actually affects our memory and our emotions. And, like, I'm sure uh, for those of us in this room, have you ever, guys, ever been in a position or a place where you smell something and it connects to a memory and your mood actually changes? Like, where you were actually excited, you were happy, you were having a good time, and then all of a sudden that memory comes back. And maybe it was a painful memory. And now you're back in that place that you would rather not be because you're kind of brought back and brought forth to this failure or to this moment where you feel like you weren't enough or maybe you feel like you let someone down. And it's just crazy how our, uh, our senses are all intricately connected. And the reason I kind of want to start by talking about this is because what I want to do this morning, this Easter morning, is I want to take us on a journey. And really what I want us to do, by the end of our journey, I want us to move from death to life. And more than that, I want us to finish in a place where we can find true freedom. 
However, in order to find true freedom, what I'm going to do this morning is I want to take us on a journey to a place where maybe we have experienced a place or a, a, a little bit of pain. I want to go back to a place in our, in our lives that is painful, that we'd rather not think of, that we'd rather kind of push away. But I want to go there because I have this belief that in order for us to be healed, we have to go back to the greatest place of pain in our life. It is not until we deal with our pain, our heartache, our hardships directly on that we can experience true freedom. And really what the whole Easter arc is about is the pain that was experienced on that Friday, that good Friday, when Jesus hung on a cross, led to the beauty of the resurrection Sunday. But it was only in that darkness that we were able to experience the light that was the freedom and the resurrection of Jesus. And so today, in this place, I believe that in order for us to experience that light and that freedom, we have to first experience that darkness. And my hope today is that by the end of this message, that for those of us that are living in the before, because whether you know this or not, every single life is measured by this, before Jesus and after Jesus. Time itself is split into before Christ and A.D. That's Latin, by the way. Um, but it means that the day of the Lord, the year of the Lord. And so time itself is split by Jesus, but I also believe that our lives are split before Christ, after Christ. And maybe you're here this morning and you're still in that B.C. But the beauty of Resurrection Sunday is that things can change in but a moment. Because when Jesus comes into your life, when you experience the goodness, the grace, the power of the resurrection, you can actually move from B.C. to A.D. in just a moment. But we must first go to the place of pain. And what I want to do this morning is I want, my hope is that 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, once you are not a people, but now you are a people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. My hope is that this is our story today. And I know for a lot of us when it comes to like these, these places, maybe it's church. And for a lot of us, the idea of church, like I know it's, it's Easter Sunday, so I should probably be here. But for a lot of us, when we think of church and maybe the experience we've had, a church is a place where we come to hide. Like we put away all the stuff that we're actually experiencing, all the emotions we're actually going through, what we're actually feeling. And we feel this need to come and put this mask on when we come here and act like everything is good. But mercy, you need to understand this word mercy. Mercy only happens when we understand failure. Mercy has no power unless we understand failure. So today... As I said, I'm going to trigger our minds and hopefully take us to a place that will eventually lead to freedom. And today, I want to speak to someone. Maybe you feel empty. Maybe you have that, that, that sinking feeling like you're not enough. And maybe the only reason you're here is because someone invited you. Well, it's Easter. My parents invited me. I should, I should probably come on Easter. Um, I actually don't think you're here by accident. I think that you're here because Jesus has a word for you. And my hope today is that for those of us that feel like you've disappointed God, you've let God down, or God has left you, the beauty of Easter today is that God is for you, God is with you, and he knows your story from the beginning to the end. And you being here today is not a coincidence. No one drags you here. You are here because Jesus wants to speak to you this morning. And so what I want to do is I want to look at a character in the New Testament by the name of Peter. Uh, if you're familiar with the Bible, you'll know Peter is one of the central characters in the New Testament. And I kind of want to look at the whole Easter weekend through the eyes and through the perspective of Peter. And what I want to do today, I want to look at three things. Three things today. I want to look at the promise of Peter, 
the failure of Peter, and the redemption of Peter. Three things, then I'm out of here. Sound good? Promise of Peter, failure of Peter, redemption of Peter. Listen, y'all, just because we're in the end doesn't mean we can't make noise. Three things. You guys ready to go? All right, so going to go on a story. We're going to be in a couple places this morning, but Mark chapter 14 is where I want to start. We're kind of in the last moments, the last uh, few really hours of the life of Jesus, and he's with his disciples, and he's speaking to all of them. And in Mark chapter 14, verse 27, he says, uh, Jesus says to them, he says, all of you will desert me, for the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter said to him, even if everyone deserts you, I never will. Now, these verses are interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, what I think is interesting is Jesus says two things. He says, I'm going to die, then I'm going to raise again. Like, those are kind of two things that would catch my attention. (laughs) Peter, all he hears is the first part. All of you will desert me. And so the rest of the part, he stops even thinking, stops listening, and he's like, hey, listen, even if everyone deserts you, I never will. Now, you need to understand something. A little while before this, Jesus is speaking to Peter, and Jesus affirms him. And he says, Peter, listen, hey, you, well, your name's Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. Peter means rock. He says, you're the rock that I'm going to build my church upon. You're going to be the one to lead the church. And so I can imagine that when Jesus says, hey, all of you are going to scatter and leave, desert me, what's going through Peter's mind is like, well, hey, hold on one second. I'm the chosen one. Like, I'm the one he's going to build the church upon. Jesus, and so he just declares, I will never leave. If everyone leaves you, I'm going to stay faithful. So here's the first thing we have. It's the promise. This is the first thing I want us to see in the story of Peter is the promise. Makes a promise to God. Super simple. What's the promise of Peter? I will be faithful. I will be faithful. Now, I want us to understand this promise because I think for a lot of us, this promise of Peter, maybe it seems distant, but I want us to understand that for how a lot of us relate to Jesus, we have made a similar promise. I want to speak to people that grew up in church for a second because I know you had this experience. Like you were at a summer camp, a youth camp, a YWAM, a church retreat weekend, something good. And you had this moment where Jesus spoke to your spirit and, and, and everything kind of changed. And you made this declaration, maybe not so out loud, but you made this declaration in your heart. Jesus, I'm going to be faithful to you. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. You guys ever been there? You have this moment, and your first response is like, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do my best, Jesus. Now, that's for, for the church people. Maybe you don't have a long church background. Maybe you're just here today as a guest. But what I would suggest, even for those of us that don't have a long church background, when it comes to how you think you're supposed to relate to God, the God of the universe, There is this underlying idea that if I'm going to relate to God, I must do my very best. I have to be faithful. I can't let him down. I can't be bad. I can't mess up. I can't make mistakes. And so whether we know it or not, so many of us live in this way that Peter lives, where we've made this promise consciously or subconsciously to God that says, Jesus, I won't let you down. I'm not going to mess up. I'm going to be good enough. I'm going to be a good enough person this time. And for so many of us, we have this picture, and it says, where I stand with God depends on how faithful I am. 
How God views me, how God accepts me is about how much I do, how much I give, how much I serve, how good I am. I'll never desert you. Mark chapter 14, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. So the promise of Peter says, I will be faithful. Here's the promise of Jesus. You won't be faithful. Peter says, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be good enough. Peter, Jesus says, no, you won't. You're not going to be faithful. You're not going to be enough. You're going to mess up. You see, the Bible is filled. I want us to understand this because I think I need to rewrite some pictures you have in your mind. The Bible is filled with promises of the faithfulness of God. In other words, what God thinks about you, how God relates to you, how God sees you. He is good. He is without sin. He is full of mercy, slow to anger, filled with grace. That's all regarding Jesus. A lot of times we take the spot of Jesus. And we think, I need to be full of grace. I need to be full of mercy. I need to be perfect. Now understand this. As we strive towards Jesus, we strive for those things. Strive, strive, strive. We aren't those things. Only Jesus is. Yet for so many of us, we place ourselves in the place of Jesus. And we say, I'm just going to try a little bit harder. I'm going to be a little bit better this year. I'm going to stop sinning. I'm going to stop watching those sights. I'm, gonna, I'm just going gonna, gonna to stop, and then Jesus will accept me. Then he'll love me. But it is actually in our shortcomings that we really understand the promise of Jesus. It says, you will not be faithful. But the promise of Jesus points to the need for a Savior. It is only when I acknowledge that I am not good enough that I will never be good enough that I understand the beauty of the promise of Jesus. There is beauty in understanding I will not be faithful because it points to my need for someone that will be faithful. Mark 14, 31. No! Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the disciples vowed to do the same. Now, I know whether you know it or not, this is where a lot of us are today. We still have this dominant thought process that goes through our brain that says, where I stand with Jesus depends on me. It depends on me. It depends on me. Listen, Harrison, I don't even watch Netflix anymore. I only watch pure flicks. And so for a lot of us, we have this built-in assumption that it's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me. But I want us to understand this dichotomy between the promise of Peter and the promise of Jesus. Because if you live the way that Peter lives with the promise of, Jesus, the promise of Peter that says, I will be faithful, the end will always be despair. Because you will come to a place where you realize, I am not enough. And so what happens as the story goes along is, Kind of interesting because it says all the disciples vowed to do the same. Um, Jesus is betrayed by Judas, uh, taken away, and wouldn't you know it, all the disciples scatter. Right, just quit. And when we pick up our story, we're about 30 verses down the line. Jesus is on trial. He's on trial. He's heading towards his execution. He's about to be crucified. And we kind of get this dichotomy because Jesus is being beat 
whipped, um, put on, on trial, all these things. And then you have Peter. There's the dichotomy between the Savior and the person. And so verse 66, it says, Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself by the fire. So again, Jesus is naked, ashamed, really. He's probably freezing. And then you switch over to Peter. He's at the fire, like, scoot over. Like, I'm just like, let me get in there. Like, it's kind of cold. He's warming himself by the fire, the crackle of the fire, the smell of the smoke. And a woman sees him and she looks at him closely. And she says, you're one of those who was with Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 68, but Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. Just then a rooster crowed. Verse 69, when the servant saw him standing there, she began to tell others, this man is definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. And a little later, some of the bystanders confronted Peter, and he says, you must be one of them because you are a Galilean. Verse 71, look at this. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. Now, you need to understand something. In the same passion that he says to Jesus, no, I'll never deny you. With the same passion and a little more force, because he dropped an F-bomb in there. He says, a curse on me. That's just a joke. Um, <laughs> if I'm lying, with the same passion he thought he was going to follow Jesus, look at this. It's now with the same passion he's denying Jesus. You need to understand this. If you live in such a way where you believe that your relationship with Jesus is dependent on you, and especially if you begin to tell other people that message, be better, do better, try harder. The moment that you fall, the moment that you realize I cannot be, that is impossible with the same veracity that you declared your allegiance to Jesus, it is often with the same veracity you will deny him. And you live with this guilt, you live with this shame. It says, I don't want anything to do with that God. And maybe that's you today. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. A curse on me, I don't know what you're talking about. And it says, immediately the rooster crowed the second time, and suddenly Jesus' words Flash through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. Not that you follow me, not that you love me, that you even know me. And it says he broke down and he wept. So we have the promise of Peter. I'm going to be faithful. Now we have the failure of Peter. Now, the reason I chose the Gospel of Mark is because church history says that Mark comes from Peter's recollection. In other words, Peter is telling the story to Mark. And, and he has that, that part in there that some of the other Gospels don't have where it says he broke down and he wept. Peter's remembering that he's weeping. He's weeping after he's denied Jesus. Now, in this moment, you need to understand weeping can be a good thing or a bad thing. Most times when we weep in the negative, it is always connected to shame. It's connected to shame. And I know, I know for a fact there are people here today and the dominant emotion that you have when it comes to Jesus is not, Harrison, I want to clap my hands, I want to praise, I want to sing King Jesus again. The dominant emotion that you have when it comes to Jesus is shame. It's shame. And I want to connect some dots. 
Because for some of us are wondering, how come church is so hard? How come I feel a certain way when I come to this place? How come I want to be here, but all I can do is look at my phone? All I can do is kind of look away. All I can do is put my head down. The reason that we cannot be present in this moment is because the dominant emotion that we have when it comes to Jesus is shame. I'm not enough. And I know even though we're in the St. Albert Inn and it's maybe not a church, for a lot of us in the same way, and the reason I talked about smell and our emotions and how it connects, I know for some people today, just you being in this room today, it brings back memories. It brings back memories to the church you grew up in, the house that you grew up in, where the dominant feeling was, I am not enough. I'm a failure. And I know there are people thinking that, feeling that today, and the beauty of it all is you're still here. Yet you're still here. And I believe that the reason you feel this way, and this is freeing, is because you relate more to the promise of Peter than you do to the promise of Jesus. And the promise of Jesus is pure, it's simple, it's distinct. You will not be faithful. You will not be faithful. You see, the beauty of Easter from, from the perspective of Peter is it so relates to our life. And listen, maybe you're in that place right now where it's like, man, I've, I've never actually sinned. Like, like, the Lord came into my life and I've been pretty perfect ever since. You don't have to get to that place of shame to acknowledge the message of Jesus. That it's time to stop striving and it's time to start believing that when Jesus makes a promise, his word is true. And this word is beautiful for us because when we know that we are not faithful, it just means I need someone who can be. And the story of Easter is that Jesus is the one who is faithful. And as the story goes on, Jesus is crucified. And he's crucified, and he's hung on a cross, dies a sinner's death. But what the Bible lets us know is that when he was on the cross, he took all of our sin. He took all of our shame. He took all of our shortcomings. Everything that you've ever done to let God down on the cross, he bore it. Why should I gain from his reward? I can't give an answer. I don't know why. I don't know why I get the reward, but I do. It's because Jesus is good. And because his love for us is so deep and he is so faithful. And on the cross, he took all of that, the denial of Peter, your denial, your shortcomings, your sin. And on Sunday morning, he rose again victorious. And I love what happens because when the women see him at the tomb, one of the very first things that Jesus says, he says, go find the disciples. He says, oh yeah, and go tell Peter. He says, go tell Peter the story's not done. Go tell Peter there's still hope. Come on, somebody. And I just believe today, Resurrection Sunday is for you. And God came here to say, hey, go tell him it's not over. There's still hope. There's a before and there's an after. Now, what happens when Jesus goes and he meets Peter in private, we do not know. We don't know. We can kind of assume it was probably a good moment, experience the grace of Jesus. But the beauty of the very last chapter of the book of John is that John paints a picture and we see the very first public interaction between Peter and Jesus. And so um, I'll kind of set the scene. Again, Jesus resurrected, all that good stuff. And he's kind of been coming and going, like high disciples, by disciples. And they don't know when he's coming, when he's going. Um, but he shows up in John chapter 21 
and the disciples are fishing. They're fishing in, in the water, and um, on the land, they see someone in the distance. That's the context of John 21. Everyone following? And it says, when they landed on the land, because they, they saw someone, and it was Jesus, they saw a fire burning of coals, and there was fish on it and some bread. So what we see in John 21 is the disciples are in the shore, and Jesus is on the beach cooking a breakfast. I love that. I love that part of the Bible. Like, listen, after this, if you're getting brunch, that's biblical. <laughs> he's on the shore, and I want us to understand this scene. Because the reason that he's cooking fish to make them breakfast is intentional, not just to show his devotion to the disciples, but it is also to bring a moment about. And as the fire is burning, the same fire, listen, where Peter was warming himself in front of all these people, now Jesus has built another fire. And all the disciples are there. And in verse 15, it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter in front of everyone, hey, Simon, doesn't even give him the Peter there, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Then the third time, you guys see a pattern? The third time he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. And the reason he was hurt was because in that moment around that fire, the limbic system was all working. And he's brought back to that moment of his betrayal. And so a third time, Jesus says, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, I want you to understand the symbolism when he says, feed my sheep. Because what Jesus had said to Peter before, he said, you are the rock on which I'm going to build the church. You have a calling on your life. Sheep are just a, a name for people. And so I want us to notice in this restoration moment, Jesus mentions nothing of the failure of Peter. Not one thing. Instead, he just affirms his purpose. He says, Peter, you're still the rock. You're still the one. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And the story on this, this, this shore on this early morning is the story that all of us will experience in our life. And it is this story where we come into the presence of Jesus. If we stop striving, if we stop trying to believe, it is all about us. Jesus wants to meet you on the shore. And he wants to change your life from a before to an after. He might even want to cook you some breakfast. Come on, somebody. And the Bible lets us know that all of those who are in Christ are a new creation. That means the old is dead, the old is gone. That which once was is no longer when I come into the presence of Jesus. And so I want you to understand today, if you feel like you have a long track record, a long history of shame, of failure, guess what? The third thing we see in the story of Peter is the redemption. 
and those who are in Christ, our story all ends the same. It ends with redemption. It ends with resurrection. That's just how the story goes. And whatever you're going through today, whatever you're feeling today, I want you to understand that Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Jesus died so you don't have to. Jesus suffered so you don't have to. Jesus was scorned, naked, and ashamed so you don't have to live in shame. And what Resurrection Sunday is, it is that reminder that it is not over. There's still hope. And I believe today that Jesus wants you to know that whatever you feel, he already paid it. Isaiah 53, it says, he was despised and rejected by mankind. He was despised and rejected, so guess what? You don't have to be. A man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised and was held in low esteem. Surely, though, he took our pain and he bore our suffering. We considered him punished by God, stricken by affliction, stricken by him and afflicted. But verse 5 says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Listen, the reason he hung on the cross was you. When he climbed up on the hill, he saw you. He saw all your failure. He saw all your shame. He saw all those, those moments, those, that, 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 that narrative that runs through our head. He saw all of it, and he said, give it to me. That's mine now. Your failures, those are mine now. And it says he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. But the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. You need to understand, what did Jesus do in response to your failure? Come on, in this room, let's go back to that moment, that failure. You know that moment? You know that place, that hard place where you felt like you weren't enough? What did Jesus do? He took it died and in the same way that he affirms Peter that it's not over he's affirming us this morning your story isn't over maybe you came into this place and you felt like man I was a walking corpse I didn't have any purpose I'm alive but I'm barely breathing today is the day in this place that I declare in the name of Jesus by his stripes we are healed by his wounds by his triumph we are healed we're healed Listen, in this place, because maybe God's been doing the work, but there's a reason you have to come back to church. Because for a lot of us, church was your greatest place of shame and it was your greatest place of pain. But I believe today that in your place of shame and your place of pain, that which was a place supposed to be filled with hope that brought you pain, today, Jesus is resurrecting that story. By his stripes, we are healed. And I just believe today that someone who came here dead is leaving this place alive once you are not a people but now you are the people of God once you have not received mercy but now you have received mercy it is only when I go to those dark places those broken places that I understand the mercy of Jesus and I'm here to let you know today that he sees your pain and he's covered it with his blood can we just stand for a second church invite the worship team up here. We're going to just sing one more time. But I just want to give us a moment to respond.
to what the Lord has done in this place. And so if everyone could just bow their heads and close their eyes, I'd love to just make an appeal, especially for those of us that felt like they were living in the before. Today is the day, this is the moment you step into the after. In the place that was once meant for pain and shame, I believe healing has come today. And so every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to give you the opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus. If you're saying, Harrison, I want to step out of that grave. I want to step past pain. I want to step past shame. I would just invite you, just please just show me your hand. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, today maybe is the very first time you've ever decided to make this public commitment to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. If that's you today, I would just love to just, just show your hand. Just raise it nice and high. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, you see every single hand. You see every single heart, God. And I pray today that those wounds, those open wounds, Jesus, I pray today that they become closed over. I pray that you cover us, God. I pray that those moments of pain, those moments of shame be turned for glory. I thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful, that you have redeemed us, that you have paid the price in order that we can live again. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your mighty and holy name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship one more time. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want to find out more about our church, why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.